Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and this is really a fun one, you guys. This is one of my longest time wire hair acquaintances, friends. Sharon Pinkerton is bereaved German wire hair pointers in England. And even before I met Sharon, I had her book, which at the time was, and still to this day, is to the best of my knowledge, is the only book written specifically about wire hair pointers. And so I had read the book before I even met Sharon. <laughs> and so this year, I am very excited because I get my bucket list. I'm going to Crufts, and it coincides with the time Sharon is actually judging. She's judging Spinoni at Crufts, and also, what's the, you told me the other one I forgot now. It's the Breeders' Final competition. Yes. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. This year, give your buyers the gift of peace of mind with a special go-home day offer from Trupanion. This offer provides puppies with immediate coverage so they're protected should they get into mischief in their new homes. Trupanion covers pets against unexpected accidents and illnesses with no payout limits, helping ease the financial burden when a pet gets sick or injured. Even better, Trupanion is able to pay the veterinarian directly at the time of checkout, which means less out-of-pocket for your buyers. You can get this special offer for your buyers as part of the Breeder Support Program. It's completely free to join and available for breeders in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Getting started is quick and easy. Just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com to get started. I'm coming today to talk to you about Brilliant Pad, and it is amazing and an incredible way for me to do my potty training with the puppies and not ever have to touch any yucky stuff. Brilliant Pad literally rolls the mess up and you never touch it. So I really wanted to talk to you guys about that, share with you the experience I had with it. It's like the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Okay, tell me what that is before we even get into everything else, because it sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a competition that started a few years back and it's ran all our championship shows throughout the year by group. Mm -hmm. And then on a table, top 50 breeder teams and they're up to a maximum of four dogs that that breeder has bred don't need to be in their ownership but they have got to have bred them okay then it's basically the top 50 teams of three to four dogs are all prejudged in the afternoon in one of the outside rings so that you people can come and go and then they all collect in the best in show ring at 6 p.m on friday night where I then step onto the green astroturf and, and make my selection. <laughs> that is amazing. I just can't stand it. And I'm going to get to be there to see it. Yeah, absolutely. You must be. Yeah, you've I got am? to be there. 
I am definitely going to be there. Okay, so let's go back. We'll go back to the beginning. Tell us the 411. My audience always loves the 411. You've been breeding wire hairs pretty much since birth, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I had my first one when I was at school, towards the end of my school years. But up to then, we'd shown greyhounds and cocker spaniels as English cocker spaniels to a much lesser degree. But the greyhounds, we were quite successful. But it was just, I liked them, but it wasn't the breed. I still didn't really know what the breed was. And then I could just remember seeing a photograph in a book once, and it was the wire hair pointer. And it was like, yeah, that's the sort of breed I think could be fun. But we hadn't got any in the UK at all. There was nothing. So for several years, it was just a pipe And so dream. when and was this, Sharon? Like early 70s? Yeah, early to mid 70s. Yeah. And of course, we still had quarantine. so. Mm-hmm. It was not an easy task to think, right, we could just pop across to Europe and buy something. It was like, yes, you can do that. But then the dog has to come into quarantine for six months. So it was a big job to even consider doing that. And we weren't that sort of established breeder exhibitors at that time. We were still very much on the on the outside looking in. And then we just noticed there was an advert, funny enough, in one of the Crofts magazines to say that, there were some wire hair puppies that had been born in the UK. Oh, from, wow. Uh, yeah, from Minica Mills to Hoog. And so we had Whittaking Benny, which was the second litter born in the UK. Oh, my goodness. So, that so is she amazing. did them all by alphabet. So there was the, right. the A litter, the B litter. So we had Benny. And then it basically went from there, really. And you have finished how many show champions? In wire hairs, 66. That's what I thought. Quite a few. And how yeah. many of those were full champions? I think we're up to about 12 full champions out of those. Amazing. And talk to people here in the U.S. and even worldwide who don't necessarily know why a show champion is not a full champion in the U.K. Yeah, it's one of these silly old rules that have just been carried forward in, in so much that dogs that have a job to do are considered to be show champions until they've actually been out in the field to prove their gun dog worthiness mm-hmm. plus of course the border collie which is the okay. only other herding breed that are show champions until they actually go and prove their ability to herd so all the gun dogs no matter what breed they are are all show champions unless you then go out into the field and prove that they are capable of doing the job that they were bred to do. And then we can proudly knock off the show bit and then they become full champions. (laughs) And so, again, I have talked with you about some of this, but I just love being able to share it with people here. Talk to us about what does that entail for, say, a wire hair pointer. So the Hunt Point Retrieve HPR, am I right? Yes, we are. It's very different to obviously the American trialing scene because we don't do any trials on horseback. We're basically, it's like a mixture of a hunt test and your field trials. Mm -hmm. Everything we do is on foot and we're just very lucky that we have land made available to ourselves that we just set off in the morning and we just keep walking and you might be lucky enough to get birds on your beat as such and maybe not so your dogs are then expected if it encounters game to hunt point 
keep on point until the guns are in place, produce on command, be steady on command, and then retrieve on command. And also the bird is actually tested for damage. So if there's any right. bird damage, then you're out. And we have to do that at least once and fill our card as such. But we have to run twice. We have to run at least twice in that day. So, yes, if you get through it all, then it's a hell of an achievement. (laughs) And these are not liberated birds. These are just birds that happen to live on this property. And so what are your game bird species that you're working with specifically? Predominantly pheasants, really, are still the... We're not close enough to the grouse moors, and it's a very specialist dog you want up there, dogs that are capable of running very big and wide. And so we stick to more of the traditional. I'm out tomorrow with a training group with young dogs that we're doing a hunting, pointing and flushing day, just because obviously we're technically out of season, but people still need to train their young dogs. So we're out tomorrow and we'll see some partridge, but it will be mostly pheasants. And just let the novice dog learn what it's all about without the extra excitement of a shot and a retrieve. We're just hunting, pointing, flushing, steadiness and just putting that experience into them. And so you have judged at the championship level for a while in England. You have judged the Wirehair Pointer National here in the U.S. in 2015. (laughs) And I mean, you've been over a couple different times for the national. (laughs) And so this is your first time judging at Crufts, yes? No, no, I've judged before at Crufts. I judged German Wirehead Pointers a okay. long time ago. Okay. And I've also judged Darien Wirehead Vizzlers. But this has been a little while since I've been asked to judge at Crufts. And certainly the first time I've been asked to do anything like the breeders. It is still quite a new competition. And up until I'm probably the first true breeder exhibitor that's been asked to judge it the last four years have been top all-rounders where they've had breeding experience but they are more considered now to be an all-round judger judging Mm. person as such rather than a sort of breeder exhibitor so I feel I'm quite special really to be at that level that's quite an honor for sure on the green carpet and everything (laughs) I know Yes. And so I looked it up, but remind me, what's your entry in Spinoni? 88. Oh my God. It's like the national. Yeah. Talk to us. I mean, I'm excited to go to Crofts just because, you know, Crofts. But, <laughs> but talk to us. I've had it explained to me that it's basically like a national for every breed. Would you think that's kind yes. of accurate? Having judged the Wirehair Pointer National, would it be comparable for you? Yes, I think it is really. And now because we no longer have quarantine as such, we do get quite an oversee visitors that bring dogs. So very often you'll frantically have a look at your catalogue first thing in the morning and find that you've got some oversee dogs in the entries. Not as a judge, we wouldn't see our I was going to say, you can't look. (laughs) I just really thought I'd better clarify that. Yes, as an exhibitor, you'll look and you think, oh gosh, I've heard that name before, but I've never seen this dog. And of course, last year, best in show, of course, was the Legato that come from Serbia. So you do get some really top-notch dogs that come over. And it just makes us step up to the game, step up and meet them head on and give them a run for the money. They come over to us, then we'll give them a run. (laughs) I would think that would be the right thing. And so talk to us about 
what you're most excited about. We were talking a little bit before we came on air, how excited you are, and it keeps not being real. So talk to us. What are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the whole day, but I think it'll go so quick. I think it'll just be sort of in my mind and my memory for a long, long time because I would like it to last a lot longer, but I think it'll go a lot, lot quicker than I would imagine. But I'm just looking for when you actually see what the breeders thing is, they're all sort of like dressed similarly. They're all in costume as such, but in a sort of like a team. So it's lovely to see this huge ring. And as big as the best in show ring is at Crofts, mm-hmm. it fills that ring. It really does. So I think that's what I'm looking forward to most is actually doing that because I know it's such an achievement to be asked. And when I first got the email invite and I opened it and looked and I just thought, no, this is a mistake. You, people like me, we, we don't get invited for these sort of things. They're always the big all-rounders, the worldwide names, not little old me. And I dutifully sent it back thinking it would just come back saying, I'm oh, really, really sorry, Sharon, but it was wrong. You should never have had that. And please oh, accept our apology. But it came back as, yes, you're now confirmed and you can tell anybody. So, um, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so help me understand, you're going to be doing just the sporting breeds because it's on Gundog Day, right? You're just going to be doing the Gundog breeds or it's all breeds? It's all breeds. It's oh all gosh. breeds. Yes, we've got the toys, the terriers, the non-sporting. So oh, my gosh. It's the top 50 teams across, well, for us, all seven groups. So, right. yeah. Oh my so, gosh. In my head, I had it. You were just doing it on that day for gun dogs. That's phenomenal. No, everything, right? There's a, <laughs> a team of Pomeranians. There's, there's, oh yeah, there's right through to big giant breeds. And we've actually got two teams of Canadian Eskimo dogs, which takes some doing. We haven't got that big an entries, but there's two of those teams going as well. Oh, wow. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. Did you know that you can earn money for your National Parent Breed Club through the Purina Parent Club Partnership Program? Honestly, this is just an amazing program that's raised more than $8 million for canine health research, judges education, and rescue since it began in 2002. It's easy to participate. Members of Purina Pro Club sign up by designating their National Parent Breed Club through their Pro Club account or at any Purina-sponsored event. When members submit receipts for qualifying Purina pet foods, Purina matches 10% for every dollar earned in Purina points. Half of that goes directly to the parent club and half to the AKC Canine Health Foundation to be used for breed-specific health research. Clubs have used their funding to support scholarships, youth programs, and breed rescue. PPCP is a win-win program that truly benefits dogs everywhere and those who love them. If you want to learn more, visit PurinaProClub.com backslash about backslash partnerships. I'm telling you, this is my very favorite program. I love this and I want you guys to check it out too. So talk a little bit, because I know you've had a lot of involvement in a lot of breeds that aren't wire hairs. I know you had involvement in foves and wire-haired bichlas and that kind of stuff. Talk a little bit for the audience who's coming to watch about your breadth of experience that I think maybe <laughs> isn't as well known. 
outside your home country. <laughs> yeah, I think basically what it was, is it was because it was a family thing. Mum and myself, we both showed the dogs. Dad was very much the backroom dad and he sort of stopped at home and looked after dogs. And so we were able to show. And mum was probably more interested in the hound breeds. She loved, I love the greyhounds as well, but she really loved the greyhounds. And then we had a little dabble in the Basset Foes and the Petite Basset Griffons a long time ago. And they were the sort of breed that mum quite liked. But we were plagued with noise, typical hound breed, as against the greyhounds that were very, very quiet. They were quite loud and we decided that we would not continue with those without upsetting the (laughs) neighbours that were not that close, but still loud enough to hear them at dinner time. And so I've always had English cockers. That's Mm -hmm. always been the breed I've always had. And the wire hairs pretty much was my idea. But I've just been very lucky having lived with mom for a long time she taught me everything she knew about handling and so I was not necessarily a professional handler I also ended up helping people and mm-hmm. and I've shown a lot of other breeds for them because I just enjoyed the competing side of it we don't have such a big status of professional handlers like you have back there but there's always people that don't actually enjoy showing their own dog mm-hmm. they like the show they like the social aspect but they don't particularly care for doing it themselves and they're quite mm. happy to stand ringside and watch their dog being shown by somebody else. So I've shown quite a few dogs of various breeds in that nature. Right. And every time I have somebody from the UK come on, I love to delve into talking about kind of the differences in presentation and the judging system. And it's going to be really on display because we're going to be at Crufts. So let's give everybody a primer on CCs (laughs) and and how we do this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think it does sometimes sound very different to you guys, but I don't think it actually is. It's just that what we can do is that we can enter more than one class, which is something that you don't do. So we have age classes and then we have a set of classes that are on the amount of winning they've done. And then, of course, we don't have specials. All of our champions go in our open class against the non-champions. And the CCs basically is the best male and best female of that entry. And it could go right down to a six-month-old puppy if they wanted to over champions. And then the reserve is very much like yourselves. It's Mm -hmm. every other dog in that lineup plus the second in that class can can challenge but we don't have award of merits or anything like that. Right. It's just literally right. best dog, best bitch, best of breed, and then onto the group. Right. I mean, I've talked to enough people. I've followed it long enough. It makes sense to me now. But I think it's really important that people hear it and kind of understand what they're watching for when they're watching Crufts at home <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I have a very competitive veteran class that shows like Crufts. And of course, some of those are are multi-title dogs that are still very much in their prime. And our normal shows don't always carry a veteran class in their breed. So at Crufts, it generally gives people a chance to maybe enter two champions because we only have open that they can go in. So then they can have their veteran champion in one class and then their other champion in open. 
So you, you can actually get some wins coming from the veteran class. Mm -hmm. Yes. Really and impressive. is veteran the same for you guys, seven and over? Is that how that works there? Yes, yep. it is. Yeah. Yep. And so when you judged over here, you judged the U.S. national, how did you find the comparison, not just necessarily dogs, but judging style, all of that? I felt like you went through it really comfortably. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, because I've been a visitor so many times, I knew an idea how it went because it was just as difficult for me to understand your system over there when I first went. And, and you probably had many questions like, why did that happen? Why did this happen? So I had an idea what I needed to do. And I just did a mixture of obviously following the norm, what your American people are expecting but also doing some of the things like the movement. I'm very particular. I just want a straight down and back. Over in the UK, we have this funny fascination of where everything has to be moved in a triangle. And it's the most hideous movement out. The dogs halfway get down that first down right. and they're cutting the corner because they know they're going to go left. And they start cutting corner and they end up doing a bit of a bambi-ish round a corner and so I just want to straight down and back and then I want to see them go around in profile and I just did the same thing but I think in some cases the difference in handling is not as great as it was I think we have an element over here now that has realized that you have to put more effort in you can't just turn up with a super duper dog and make no effort you really do now have to watch and copy what your american handlers have done you've set the bar really for the rest of us and that's how i've learned such a lot mm -hmm. and i even still watch some of the westminster videos and i capture something that a handler's done and i think oh yeah i know why you're doing that now <laughs> and it's like because it's all like and i've thought why are you doing that and i've i've worked out why they've done it and it's just something else that i can then put into use over here or mm -hmm. in my training class when I tell other people. Right. I know you do training classes. You do a lot of stuff. You and I share the sad common denominator of having grown up in this with our family and having now lost both of our parents. Yeah. We've walked through that together, you and I. For you, how has it changed how you look at things? I know about me. Talk to me about you. How has it changed how you look at it all? Oh, hugely, absolutely hugely, because it was always a team thing. So whenever we had an idea of what we were going to do breeding-wise and why we were going to do it, we would talk about it, we'd discuss it, we'd put it back on ice and think about it for a couple of months and then pick it back up again. And I think that was one of the hardest I found. Dad was very much a supporter with everything that we did, but he didn't understand the breeding concept for him. We couldn't see why it took hours of our talking over dinner as to why we were going to do this particular breeding. And as far as he was concerned, that would be good enough. But he didn't understand where we got to that point. Mm. And so the first time I bred a litter after mama died, it was just like, oh, well, I don't know. Who can I talk to? This is what I think we should do. Yeah. And I think it will work. But my sounding board was no longer there. And it was the same with shows. As mum was less able to show them, she would always sit ringside. And after that first initial take them around, it would be like, you've got to go a bit faster or don't go as fast or he's not concentrating, so do this. And it was just having another sounding board that was there for you. And it was quite hard 
to keep going, keep motivating yourself. And the competitiveness was still there. But the coming back in the van on your own and not being able to ring home and say, oh, we've just done this, we've just done that. And you just sit in the van driving home on yourself and just talk to you and the dogs that you've had a really good day sort of thing. And so, yeah, it did change. Yeah, it does indeed. It does indeed. But I think I have found, speak to me about yourself, pursuing the other gigs, the side hustles, the other things, the judging, the training classes and stuff has helped some for you. Yes, it has. Yes. I think it's come to the stage now where I've had such a good time in the dog show inside that you've got to be seen to be putting something back. Mm -hmm. And what started is just basically COVID, really, because we had so many things that shut down where people weren't able to socialise puppies. Mm -hmm. And we managed to find a really good farm about Mm -hmm. an hour away. And he was very open minded. And we just started off by just doing almost like a socialisation. And we had people travel three, four hours to it because they were bored, absolutely bored. <laughs> right. And puppies that needed to go out and meet yeah. other dogs. And yeah. and so what started is that. And then it just developed people with dogs with problems, maybe that were a bit shy or pace that's probably the I think if everybody could find a 100% foolproof method of getting a dog to start <laughs> off on a trot well I think there'd be millionaires no, it's I the think... ones that are trotting and then decide mid-trot to start pacing yeah. let me help yeah. you <laughs> absolutely we had a Doberman that did that once she was fascinating to watch she got going she was at a hell of a speed and then she yep. would just switch Yep. And there was, I had uh, an Akita yeah. and a Portuguese water dog, both that could do that. It was it's a, amazing. A, it's amazing. It. You're like, I know you were trotting. What are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. can, because you can feel the change, you know, on the leash. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yes. Uh, just. It's been interesting. It really has been interesting. So we've managed to get a few dogs with their titles that maybe people wouldn't have obtained. And right. so it, it is now starting to pay off and people are sort of happy to be given that extra bit of help so yeah that's pretty awesome okay so final question before we call it a day and I get to see you in person in just a couple weeks judging priorities you're going to be judging a breed that's near and dear to my heart so let's talk about judging priorities for Spinoni (laughs) (laughs) yes very interesting I'm really looking forward to it's been a few years since I've judged them and once you get your invite you deliberately stay away and so I'm very really looking forward to actually seeing them and just running my eye over them as such so once again you see there's a lot more imports have come in a lot more Mm -hmm. new stuff so there's going to be so many different dogs there that I haven't got a clue who they are or how they're bred so it's going to be really interesting but they're going to have to move they're a gun dog they're going to have to look as if they can move and we don't want them over glamorized but I want them to look as if a little bit of work and at least brush their legs out and things like that. That's no spitty beards more. for you? Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> and leg hair. It's amazing the amount of Spinonis I've judged in the past that you just think, well, when was the last time these legs saw a cone? So, yeah, it is a dog show. We don't expect them to have the extent of presentation that you sometimes have over there, but... I do want to see that some care has been done and I want to see some muscle. They need yeah. to have muscle. They need to have to run. So I'm hoping that's there along with a really typey dog or bitch and, and that'll do me. 
I love it. I love it. I am super excited to see all the dogs personally in both Wirehers and Spinoni. So I can't wait. I'm very excited. And I will see you soon. <laughs> yeah, not long. I know I have to start packing. I'm not even sure what to do. I messaged you. Remember, I messaged you. I'm like, do I have to have anything fancy? <laughs> no, no, definitely not fancy. Just comfortable. Just yes. comfortable. Yeah. I've got all my comfortable shoes packed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, the biggest problem really is the crowds. Because you know where you want to go. And sometimes you just look at these crowds and you think, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> there is a tip. And you can do that, the fact that you've not got a dog. And that's walk through the plaza. Don't try and walk all around the halls because they're like a little U-shape. So basically go from hall one into hall three or to hall five and cut through the middle. Save your legs miles. There we go. There's our pro tip for the day from Sharon. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great day. Sharon, I will see you on the other side of the pond here in a little while. All right. Yeah. It's all right then, Laura. See you soon. <laughs> all right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofing. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck 99, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, If you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred, purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. 
Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.